Bye. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the LSE UPR podcast, a series aimed at giving undergraduates an insight into all things academic research. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Azhar Hussain, a postgraduate student at LSE. He's currently working on devising a political economy-inspired model which aims to help further our understanding on the growth of populism around the world. We'll be hearing about that, his experience of studying at the University of Chicago, a research assistant at JPAL, and a lot more besides. So Azhar, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Willie. So I'd like to start off at the beginning because I know for me, it feels like there's a lot of pressure as an undergraduate, if I want to do postgraduate research, to find out what I'm interested in doing now. And there's a lot of pressure to sort of find out about every facet of my study and try and work out where I want to go. But what's interesting is you started off doing an engineering degree and then did a research post in public distribution. Could you tell me about how that happened? Yeah, um, so I think for me, uh, getting into an engineering was uh, a decision which I took when I was not very sure about like, sort of what I want to do with my life. Uh, so it was an undergrad uh, degree, which I like a uh, institute which I where I went uh, to to do my undergrad. Uh, but during those undergrad years, I sort of start exploring uh, like what sort of issues I want to work on, out of what are the things I really care about. And uh, like one sort of one kind of thing which sort of stand out was uh, thinking about like uh, problems of like say development problems in India, uh, because like I was living in India at that point of time. So I, I just to give you some uh, like sort of a hint, uh, what I'm trying to tell you here is uh, so there uh, like in India, there is a problem of power shortage. Uh, so like if you are in your home, you don't get 24 hours of power supply and the power cuts uh, for like in some other areas, you get power for only like six hours, for example. But uh, if you see, uh, so, so the first thing that you will sort of think that maybe India has a uh, huge power shortage problem. Maybe there is not a lot of generation, power generation, uh, but sadly it's not the big problem. Like generation is not a biggest problem that India faces. It's actually uh, like there are so many of the distribution constraints in the network of the power supply, which creates these kind of problems. And apart from the distribution constraints, uh, so there are like some technical constraints which the distribution system faces. But then apart from those technical constraints, there are some non-technical constraints also. And one of those constraints is uh, power theft, which is rampant in India. Because of this power theft, uh, the, the companies, the distribution companies who are supplying electricity to various homes in India, they suffer huge losses. And because of their losses, they're not able to break even. And therefore they have to like cut power supply. So this was like sort of an interesting observation, which I made, uh, I think when I was in maybe like in the third year from my undergrad, because like in India, the undergrad degrees are for four years in engineering. So mm -hmm. it was a year before I graduated. And this basically uh, sort of uh, encouraged me to like think about the economic reasons for like say a technical problem. So on the face, it looks like a technical problem. You don't get electricity. But yeah. if you go to the bottom of this problem, you actually see it's more of an economic than yeah. a technical that's really interesting. So you could very much say that you followed your heart when deciding what to research and go into. And also I want to say like, so for like when I was going through this phase of like seeing economic problems and trying to relate to the technical ones, 
I was also looking into like other like development problems that were ramp that are even like now rampant in India, and one of those problem is uh, uh, like the sh- uh, food shortage, for example. So mm-hmm. think that okay, food shortage is because maybe India doesn't have food. But if you go and like look at the records of how much food is currently being stored in India, you will be amazed. It's like I, I don't have the like exact numbers, but it's like uh, I think it's enough like feed a significant amount of population for almost a month. Uh, wow! So, and these and this sort of food uh, storage is actually not used. As in, some of this food actually gets sto- stale uh, like over time. So then there is like a huge depreciation in this kind of stock. But then it's never distributed to the people who need it, and then you would think that okay, so so you do you do have food, but you're not able to get it to the people who need that food is because you don't have the incentives in place and you don't have a proper system which can like direct this food which is being wasted to the people who actually need it. So there's the so you see that there's this economic problem of like yes. this, this this kind of inefficiency go away, and this made me like sort of go into like the. Work with uh, one of the famous economists in India. His name is uh, John Dreis. Uh, he's a very prominent, I think, public as well as a development economist. So I worked with him on these issues for almost, I think, two to three years, uh, but not like full time, but part time, and like sort of like got an understanding of like how these things work and why these problems exist and why like certain inefficiencies occur. Interesting. So. Let's say that I'm an undergraduate and I found what I'm interested in in the same way that you did. Now, you mentioned that you got to research with this very famous professor who was an expert in the field. How, how did you come by the opportunity? Did you reach out with emails? Was it through a thing through your university? How did that happen? Yeah, uh, like I, um, so uh, I, I was applying for internships in my third year of my university. Uh, no, actually second year of my university. Uh, so I was applying for the internships and obviously because at that point of time, I was sort of interested in like going for the economic research or something related to that. Uh, and I was apl- like shooting emails to like, I think, I don't know, I, I shot, like send emails to maybe hundred people, <laughs> uh, which is, I think not very non-standard. <laughs> so yeah, I sent email to almost hundred people and then, um, I got few replies. And one of, one of the person who replied used to work with, uh, professor John Dres. And she basically, uh, I, like I worked with her for some time, but then she made me and got in touch with him. And then I talked to him and then we started, uh, like he involved me in one of his uh, projects, which was about the public distribution system in India. That's really interesting. So shoot your shot basically, and shoot a lot of them if you have to. Yeah. So then you went to study at the University of Chicago, if I'm right, to look at the economic... So oh. I think after that I went uh, to the JPL. Uh, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so yeah. So, so tell after, me about that. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, so after finishing my undergrad, I was uh, uh, like I got this offer from like I applied to the, one of the projects which was uh, which needed someone with engineering background. So it's kind of uh, I think I would say I was lucky there also <laughs> because you don't find so many uh, uh, economic pro- like firms firms which are sort of based on like economics and uh, development fields to hire like engineers but in one of those projects they really needed uh, some engineer because this project was uh, based on understanding the distribution like electricity distribution network in one of the states in Bihar and therefore there was this opportunity I applied for it I got selected and then I worked there for almost two years um, so I worked with like some of the very 
like some of the finest professors i think even now today uh, who are like sort of very active in uh, development econ as well as uh, energy environment and industrial organization literature they like they do they have like some very good papers in these fields so i worked with them i really learned a lot from them so I, what i would say like sort of the thing which i gained the most from this job experience was really working with uh, like the frontier of the research for example so even in india i was i used to work with uh, like i worked with say public research system and things like that but uh, what really academic research is about i sort of learned when i worked for jpal so i got my hands dirty with data analysis um, uh, and like say how the reports are like for example how papers are properly written how academic papers are written and published so i got to know all these things and I, I, on top of that there was uh, a lot of understanding of uh, like the formal economic uh, theory and some and i think the biggest sort of advantage i had was i got hands on experience with uh, the economic tricks which really paid off when i got into my first year of my uh, like at lsc well interesting so obviously you did research with jpal what motivated you to take the next step and travel abroad abroad to chicago uh, yeah so i think um, so uh, so I, so when i was applying for my so after my finishing my jpal uh, sort of job i was applying for mostly masters uh, and then uh, some of my professors who i was working with uh, they suggested that i should also uh, look at uh some of the uh, like the P- I, i can also look for like phd because uh, the way i was interested in the answering the questions uh, it kinds of aligns with what you would do in a phd for example so i wasn't very sure of the phd at that point of time but so one of the ideas was to spend some time closer to like the academic research and the best way to do that will be to work as a university ra so i applied to u chicago uh, they had this um, opening in one of their labs uh so i applied to that lab i got selected and then went there uh, for I, i worked for almost two years there also and that period i sort of i was like basically ra to uh, like a, a professor and i used to have like face time with him almost every day so it, it it really helped me i think shape my understanding of academic research and uh, this was like sort of the sort of the time which sort of made me sure about that i want to do uh academic research and i go want to go for a phd so interesting so do you think that there was a different approach to research in america as opposed to india uh yeah i i, I would agree to that i think um like when i was in the us especially in new chicago i think new chicago is a great uh, school for economics and for other sciences uh, also but i think i learned a lot in terms of methods uh, so i like obviously like in india i was doing um like, I, i was doing work with other economists who were quite good in their fields uh, but um, i think in, so i so what i said was uh, so like when i talk about the frontier of the research so for example when you see like the very good publications uh, being published in like say the top economic journals uh so you don't find that many from india for example but you find that many like you find most of them from us or like say uk for example so it really matters how you write papers and how you present your analysis and like what what are the methods what are the sort of the uh, most modern methods to present your research 
so i think like while in chicago i really learned these skills uh, which uh, sort of polished like so, like you do you do have like some understanding but then the way to present that and like your ideas the research and things like that i think it got really well when i was in chicago and like i got a lot of training for that purpose and obviously from the methods part i think is very important because uh, uh, like if you have data and if you don't know what so like to give you an example if you ha- if, if like two people have same sort of same kind of data but one of them really knows some methods very well which can be applied to that data set i think you can publish a great research but if you cannot apply a very good method to even a very good data set you might not be able to get much out of it so it really matters like to for you to know like correct methods uh, to apply to a certain data set so what would a method be be you a uh, method i would say uh, so there i think there are different methods <laughs> so uh, like for example uh, so like in jpal when i was working we were mostly working with uh, randomized controlled trials so i i think you might know this uh, randomized controlled trial because the last last year's nobel was awarded for this work uh, for the energy as the duplo and my framework uh so this randomized control trial you basically get this data and there's a like a sort of a design method designed how to do this analysis so we do this analysis through like if i use like exact term you'll use the difference in differences method uh, and there's a difference in differences estimator that we use in econometrics to do this analysis but um, there are other ways also like you can have quasi experimental designs so for example what i'm doing right now or at least what i'm trying to do right now with my own research is mostly about exploiting a quasi experimental design uh, so yeah i think there are various methods but i think it's really important for you to get exposed like you for yourself to get exposed to different kind of research or like different kind of papers for you to understand what uh, methods will work uh, where and also like what kind of data set you have to do uh, and what kind of analysis can come out of it interesting so now of course you're at lse Could you tell me a little first a little bit about what you're looking into at the moment and then I find it interesting to know how covid has affected the way you've gone about it and has improved or made it worse the whole experience yeah, I think it's very unlikely to find someone for which uh, covid has improved the circumstances <laughs> I would be happy to know uh, but anyways uh, so so my current research is more about uh, understanding the pop- growth of populism in the world uh so for now i'm mostly focusing on uh, india uh so where i'm so this sort of the I, the research idea comes from uh, like the growth of say the so i mean if you if you if you follow the popular press you will also always see some news coming from india where you see repression of like say minorities in various ways and and this is has been continuing for some time so my idea is to understand like the the reason behind this kind of uh, populism and also to understand whether it's a temporary process or it's a permanent change in politics so i mean if it's a temporary process we might not worry too much at least as compared to when it is actually a permanent change in the politics so my current research uh, sort of revolves around understanding this phenomena uh, i mean it's obviously a research in progress so uh, like i won't be able to reveal much Yeah. but uh, but what i can tell you is um, like so my like sort of paper right now has uh, a political economy model which sort of connects uh, uh, this growth in for, for example polarization that you see uh, in india uh, to 
the voting uh, of citizens. And then the data that I'm trying to use is, uh, so, so, so this is the part of the model, but then for the empirical exercise, I'm trying to use the consumption uh, data from India, which is sort of uh, a gold standard in the world. I mean, if you, if you would know, it's called a national sample survey data set, which is considered to be a very good uh, standard uh, survey in all across the world. So, so is consumption to, data just how much people spend on yeah, yeah. food, yeah. cars, food, yeah. So yeah, all of the services sometimes, sometimes also yeah. uh, the lightning or things like that. So I'm trying to use this data set to get some insights into my understand uh, into my like, model. Uh, but the the sort of the what I already told you about is I'm try really trying to understand the dynamics of uh, the populism. So okay, populism exists. Okay, we all agree. But then is that a temporary thing or is it going to continue? And if it's going to continue, how will it? Uh, how how like how? long will it continue and what will be the persistence of the effects of populism on the politics for different countries for example like in my case it's india interesting and just a quick one how different is conducting this research during covid as you've yeah, already said, worse uh yeah i think um like i think i won't say it, like it, I, because so the thing is uh, with me uh so when I was working for this uh, paper during my MRS, so the last year I did my MRS and I was working on this paper. So I was mostly working on the theory model. Uh, so I didn't need much data and whatever data I needed was available online. But this year when I shifted uh, towards uh, sort of a more rigorous empirical analysis, then I wanted some data sets uh, from India as well as from other organizations, but I couldn't get, this, get those data sets because uh, uh, the universities uh, have sort of uh, restricted the funding to buy new data sets. So for example, LSE uh, has restricted its funding to buy new data sets. So one of, there's an election data set which I wanted, but I couldn't get it because there's a restriction in funding. So I, I, I think, yeah, so I mean, it's not like the, like the end of the things for me, like it's not the end of the world for me. I mean, there are other data sets, uh, but I think for other people, like I know a few people, uh, in economics whose research has significantly got affected because uh, their research was based on uh, field uh, experiments, for example, or like you have to do mm. survey yourself. So obviously like everything, like things were in the lockdown for some time and even now it's not like the thing back to normal. So their research is still, I think, not in a very good phase uh, till now. So yeah. Interesting. Um, what are your future plans, obviously, You've come this far, you're at LSE doing research. Where do you want to go after this? I, I think I want to be in academia. I really like working um, on research. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I think my research could change over time. <laughs> Maybe today I'm in lot, very interested in political economy and development issues, but I'm slightly also interested in, uh, but not slightly actually, I'm really interested in the public economic side of things. And then there is... Uh, Sort of a growing literature which uh, not a growing but now it's sort of prominent uh, which is trying to relate uh, development in uh, sort of the developing countries to the macro uh, impact and i'm also think uh, i'm also looking forward to working on those so i think yeah so i think it's still i'm still a sort of a researcher in making and uh, yeah but i really want to be in academia interesting good to hear so now I'm going to ask 
for the people listening, what advice you'd give them. So if I'm, if you're an undergraduate listening, who's in first, second year, maybe even third year, and wants to go into academia, what is, do you think is the most important piece of advice that you could give to them having experienced what you have so far? Yeah. Uh, I think one piece of advice would be to read broadly. Uh, so you, so when I say read broadly, uh, you can you should read, for example, whatever comes out in popular press. So if you read, if there is some, so for example, COVID is there, but then uh, because of COVID, there are so many uh, articles being published, both in the popular press as well as in uh, research journals. So what I suggest is you should have a look at these uh, articles which which are being published. Maybe out of hundred articles, one will give you some idea. But I think that's a really a gain uh, for you. If if you can find a good idea, research idea from reading hundred articles, that's a really a good gain. And uh, like I think one of the things which I sort of uh, uh, had a problem with, like when I was in my undergrad, not even undergrading, even after undergrad, when I used to read like say a very good. Uh, uh, publication like an economic uh, publication which has been published in a top economic journal then I used to struggle with understanding most of it uh, but I, I think right now I sort of realized that it's just, even if you can understand for example the introduction part and the conclusion part of that paper may not be you might not be able to understand the theory and the empirical side of things it still adds something to you at least you know okay this is the problem and this is the solution that these people are proposing. Now you can think about various uh, aspects of whatever they have presented. You can think about a different way of a different way of arguing for the mechanism that they are proposing in their paper. So I think so. I think what I say like when you read things and when you start thinking about those things, and when you start thinking about those things, you get good ideas. And that's I think sort of a continuous process which goes on. I mean. Even when when you come out of the undergrad, when you get into a PhD, or even when you become, say, a professor, assistant professor, I think this process never stops. It's all about continuous learning, which will come by reading more. And the other thing which I'll which I'll also suggest is to make connections, uh, which doesn't have to be in your own, say, like field. If you are someone with a uh, who is studying like mathematics and economics, you can always talk to people like in philosophy or sociology. Because if you if you see uh, like the research that has been done in the twenty like in the last say like twenty thirty years, there has been a lot of interaction between economists and the other fields in social science, especially psychology, sociology, and I would say I don't know how much the sociology and the psychologists have gained from economics economists, but I'm sure there's a lot of gain that economists have made by interacting with these people, and this is sort of the thing which people now understand. I mean. Previously, they, I don't know why, what was the reason they don't used to like interact, but now this interaction is quite good. And there has been like research centers developed specifically to facilitate uh, these kind of multidisciplinary dialogues. So yeah, so talk to people, read broadly, make connections outside to your like field also. And uh, I think, yeah, I think you should, you should never let your curiosity go away. Think about a question, think about various mechanisms to answer that question interesting one final question i think that's all we've got time for today um would you advocate people if they get the chance obviously with coronavirus it might not be so easy but to study abroad do you think that adds something to education do you think it diversifies the way you look at the same problems what would you have to tell people on that yeah i think i think it helps uh, 
like I cannot exactly say how, how much it helped uh, different people because people are different. But at least I can say from my own perspective that it really helps you to make connections, for example. So like some of the people who I talked to when I was in Chicago, it really helped me, uh, like this, their advice really helped me into getting down to which college I should, uh, I mean, which university I should prefer for my PhD. So I had multiple offers, but then which university I should prefer based on my preferences. So talking to these people and like professors, I mean, they might be students also, they don't have to be professors all the time. So it really helps you to get an idea of like, uh, like they help you, they help to solve your problems basically. That's one. The other is uh, obviously living in a different country will give you different experiences. It will expose you to different public public policy challenges. So for example, when I was living in Chicago, I was living, living on the south side of Chicago, which has been, uh, I think it's still notorious for some of the crimes uh, in Chicago. So then you basically, when you talk to like the, people who are roaming in the street or people who are like sort of the dwellers of that particular neighborhood for quite a long time, you get a different perspective of why these things persist, for example, like why uh, the problem of, uh, like why, why the problem of uh, the crime in the South side of Chicago has not been resolved. So when like a person who is observing these things from outside will think, okay, maybe they are criminals, so there's a problem. But I think there is a failure of public policy there. I, I don't want to get there because it's a controversial thing to discuss, but uh, there is a failure of public policy there. And you will, you will only get this perspective if you talk to the people who live there. And so, yeah, I think going to different places, talking to different people, not necessarily academics or not necessarily your classmates really helps you get different perspective of different uh, like public policy and the environment. And the, I think the one thing which uh, really makes you good in research is creativity. So if you if you are more creative, you get better ideas. You, you you can devise better solutions to a problem. And I think exploring new places, seeing new, meeting new people, and like see getting exposed to different cultures makes you more creative in some way. Interesting. Well, thank you very very much for your time and your insight. I know I really appreciate it and have learned a lot. I'm sure everyone else listening has as well. Um, that's all we've got time for, unfortunately. Um, Thank you all for listening.